And so today, the, the message comes from the text you heard Timothy read a little earlier from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And speaking today about the message that the angel Gabriel brought not only to Mary, but to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. The word angel means messenger. Angels are sometimes sent to deliver their message all alone by themselves. Sometimes they are sent in twos, other times with a host of others. Their appearance of some is spectacular. Others slip by just unnoticed. Most are anonymous. In fact, only two angels in all of the Bible are named, Michael, the guardian angel, and Gabriel. Gabriel's name means hero of God. And who knows how many battles he's fought, how many enemy lines he's crossed to get here. And now that he's here, though, how exhilarated he must feel to be the one to hand deliver the message humanity has waited so long to hear. When the gates of Eden changed shut, our first parents took only their clothes on their back with them. Clothes that were provided by God, made from the skin of animals whose innocent blood had been shed so their shame could be covered. The lining, into the lining of those clothes was sewn a promise, the promise of a Savior. Over the centuries, the identity of this Savior, savior was progressively revealed. A paragraph of the promise was shown to Abraham, revealing that a Savior would come from his line and be a blessing to all the world. A thousand years later, another portion of the promise revealed he would be a descendant of David and, a heir to the, and an heir to the king's throne. Prophet by prophet, the Savior's features grew more distinct as he was revealed a word at a time, a sentence at a time, an image at a time. Emmanuel. God with us. Out of you, O Bethlehem, will come a ruler, a bruised reed he will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. But for some 400 years, there had been no mention of a Savior, not from heaven anyway. There have been no divine visitations, no prophetic utterances, no word at all. Not until this angel was sent to deliver one, he was sent to the holy city in Jerusalem to the most holy place in Jerusalem, the temple, to a most holy man, a priest named Zechariah. And with the angel's message, the silence of heaven was broken. Zechariah was serving in the temple, burning incense at the altar when the angel appeared. The sight stunned him. And the scripture says, gripped in fear is how he reacted. He was gripped in fear. Yet fear is the last response Gabriel was hoping to see. What an honor for Zechariah. Not only finally would he become a father, but have his son grow up to be the Savior's herald. The moral trumpet that would be ready, would ready the people for his coming. But for some reason, the most religious of men, Zechariah, needed more than an angel to convince him. He replied to Gabriel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Zechariah, like me a lot of times and like perhaps you, needed some proof. He wanted a sign. He wanted some assurance other than the word itself. 
Gabriel called it unbelief, and said, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news, and now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day it happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Because of his unbelief, Zechariah was struck silent. He could not speak, and the privilege of sharing this heavenly message passed him by. The silence of heaven continued. The next word from heaven was not sent to Jerusalem, the most sacred of Jewish cities, but to Nazareth, the most common. Again, the messenger was Gabriel. This time, though, the message was delivered not to a priest, but to a peasant. Not to a holy man, but to a humble woman, a woman named Mary. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. It was not the angel that startled Mary as it had startled Zechariah. It was the angel's greeting, too noble a greeting for a Nazarene. Questions raced through her mind. Why had the angel come? What is so special about me to merit such favor? What dark valley would await me that I would need the presence of the Lord by my side? Why me? Why Mary? The possibilities were frightening. Seeing a flicker of fright in her eyes, the angel sought to extinguish it. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The revelation stuns Mary. Timid words gather at her lips to form a self-conscious question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? It is not the message she questions. It is not the miracle she questions. It's the mechanics of the miracle. She doesn't doubt Gabriel's words. She only wonders how they will be fulfilled. And the angel explains, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even your relative Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for nothing will be impossible with God but it was one thing for Elizabeth to become pregnant it was quite another thing for Mary for you see Elizabeth was married and she had been most of her life Mary was engaged, and that only recently. In light of that, her response is extraordinary. She said to Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. When Mary submitted to God's will, she she subjected herself to great risk. In the balance hung not only her reputation, but her life. At worst, she could be stoned to death. At best, she would be ridiculed. Can you imagine the rumors that circulated around the only spring in town where people would come to draw water? Things like loosely woven morals always come unraveled. An old woman 
piously says that she filled her water jar at the spring. So easy for a nice girl to get in trouble here in Nazareth. Why, with foreign traders spending the night and those Roman soldiers passing through. As Mary's story became public, the rumors would harden to ridicule. Imagine the looks, the smirks, the comments. An angel visited her? Uh Uh-huh. And said, what? The Holy Spirit? She said that, and you believed her? Who in their right mind would? Joseph, her in-laws, the rabbi? Who? Maybe no one would believe. But that wouldn't keep Mary from believing. Her faith was courageous, we know, because her decision was quick and her obedience complete. She would submit to God regardless of the questions it would raise or the eyebrows, regardless of the cost or the consequences, regardless if it meant losing her reputation or the man she loved, even her very life. And maybe the most favorable of the qualities this young woman had was regardless regardless, a quality that made her the most suited to the task of raising such a wonderful promise, for regardless had to be a quality that was instinctive if the promise were ever to grow up and reach fulfillment as the Savior of the world. Why Mary? Perhaps the answer is, why not Mary? And what about us? People who are called to love God, to love neighbor, and to herald the good news of Jesus Christ, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. Why not us? Even across the centuries, there is just so much we can learn from Mary. What wonderful things might be birthed in our lives this Christmas and in the year that lies ahead if we would simply learn To pray as Mary prayed, I am your servant. May it be to me as you say. If this were my prayer, our prayer, how would it affect the thoughts we think, the plans we make, the words we speak, and even the Bible we read? If we learn nothing else from Mary... Her words give us a model of how to pray and how to live. Let us pray.